0: Before we get started and um, wrap up this series, um, many of you got an email this week about um, one of our own, Hans Strayer, and um, this week, Hans' wife, Jean, passed away, and we're going to be having her memorial service uh, tomorrow at 2 o'clock here at the church, and I want to ask Hans, Hans, I know I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but I am, I want Hans to come up, and I'm going to ask his table and anybody else who wants you to, to come up here, and we're going to pray for him. Um, his wife, uh, Jean, who is a wonderful, wonderful woman, um, went into the hospital last, this past week and uh, had surgery, and she passed away um, on Sunday. And so uh, this is a traumatic time, a tragedy in his life. Uh, he's had a number of these over the last year. And we want to lift him up. Uh, many of you men have lost wives. You've lost loved ones. And you know how, uh, what a loss and tragedy that is. So we're going to lift him up as one of our brothers in Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, I want to lift up Hans to you this morning. And I thank you so much for him. What a man. Uh, what a man's man. But more than that, he's God's man. He's your man. And Father, I thank you for the strength that you've given him. But, Father, right now, he needs your strength more than ever. Uh, Strength to endure the pain. Strength to continue keeping up the fight, carrying on the legacy that Gene has left. Father, he, uh, he needs his brothers in Christ, and that's why we're here. And, Father, tomorrow as the memorial service takes place and all the preparation that goes before it, I pray that you would just fill his heart with peace. I pray, Father, that you would remove the, joy, the pain and replace it with joy. We, we thank you and we praise you, and we are so grateful, Father, that Gene is with you. And we know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And, Father, I just uh, thank you for that assurance, and I pray that uh, you would just give him everything he needs to survive, not only to survive but to thrive, Father, as a, as a man, as a father as a worker, and as a disciple of Christ. I just thank you for his friendship. I thank you for what he's meant to so many people and what he's going to continue to mean to people because of his heart, his big heart that reaches out and shares so much. But we love him, help him to know that, help him to be assured that whatever he needs, we're here for him. And that, Father, will stand beside him, we'll stand behind him, and we'll be here for him. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Savior. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, you I want to say? Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, guys, uh, I want to thank you for that. That means a lot. Um, you just, Ken said, the, the kind of man that I've become is because of some of you guys. You know, helping me shoulder to shoulder over the years. <clears throat> but like any good thing that, you know, we know it has a good foundation. And going off of what you did over the weekend, I'm honored to say that my dad is here with me today. And uh, the foundation was built years ago on the man that I am today is because of how he raised me. So that's my pledge to him, and uh, I thank you guys, and uh, my new job doesn't allow me to be here early in the morning, but as soon as my boss gave me the week off, I knew where I could come Wednesday morning for support, and we're going to have to leave in a few minutes because I've got more family coming in at the airport, so if I don't get a chance to thank you again, I hope maybe to see you, some of you, tomorrow.
0: Thanks, Han. Hans, I know why you don't come in the morning. It's not because of work. It's because of me. Okay, well, guys, we're going to wrap up our series on the commands of Christ. I know many of you have been wondering when that day would come, if it would ever come. Um, We literally could have done this for a year because there's so many commands, but we're not going to try to get through them all. But the ones we've covered, just by way of reminder, uh, we've looked at 12 different ones over the last week's. We've looked at repent. We've looked at believe in me. Remember, these are all commands of Christ, and we're told the last thing Jesus Christ told his followers was go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And these are some of the things he had commanded them along the way repent, believe in me, listen to me, abide in me, grow up, mature, don't stay the way you are, love one another, love your enemies which is probably one of the most difficult ones for many of us. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up treasure in heaven. Put your priorities in the right place. We looked at always pray and don't lose heart. Um, We are under attack day after day after day as men, and we need to always pray and not lose heart. You know What's happened to Hans could happen to any man in this room. And we need to be prepared for those moments in life when tragedy strikes, when, when tough times come. Choose the narrow way. Don't take the wide path that everybody else takes, but go through, go through the narrow way, through the narrow gate, and walk the way the Savior walked. Then we looked at your righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees. Not, it's not this legalism, surface, external, man, I look great, but in the inside I'm full of corruption and decay and hypocrisy. Your righteousness needs to exceed that. It needs to be the righteousness that God requires. Then last week we looked at take my yoke. Take up my yoke. Walk alongside me. Get in that yoke with him and you'll find that it's easy and his burden is light. Well, this, this week I'm going to kind of wrap this up and we're going to look at one last of his commands. And I, it's, it's the most important because Jesus said so. And we find it in Mark chapter 12, verses 29 and 30. Jesus is answering a scribe who's come up and said, Hey, what's the best command? What's the, what's the foremost command? And it's really a test. Anytime these guys asked Jesus a question, it was just a test to kind of see what he would say. And scribes were, remember, those guys were the copiers of the law. They knew the law, I mean, every letter because they copied it religiously. And so they were experts So he says, what's the foremost commandment, Rabbi? Here's Jesus' answer. The foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So what's the greatest command? Jesus says, here's the greatest command. Love the Lord your God, but love him in a specific way. And that's what I want to look at this morning. How do we love God that way? with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. What in the world does that mean? Jesus didn't just make this up. This is actually him quoting from Deuteronomy. But this is the last one I want us to look at because Jesus says it's the foremost command. Over in Joshua, chapter 22, verse 5, listen to what it says. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God... And walk in all his ways and keep his commandments and hold fast to him and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Very similar wording given to the people of Israel. And I really think it's wording that applies to you and I as men of God today living in the 21st century in America. That we need to be those kind of men who walk in his ways. What's his way? The narrow way. The narrow path. Keep his commandments, the commandments that Christ gave us, the commands that we've been looking at. Hold fast to him. You know, one of the one of the neatest things about uh, times like this is to be able to rally around somebody who's going through pain like Hans, um, and we all just kind of hold fast to Christ. He's our anchor. He's our solid rock. He's the one we can go to no matter how bad the storms are around us. And I think Hans is very sincere when he says this is where he would want to be on a Wednesday morning, the day before his wife's memorial service, around you guys. This is where he'd want to be, with men of God. Hold fast to him. Serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. That word "foremost" that Jesus uses—this is the foremost command—is it's pretty important. I want us just to take a look at it. What does it mean, "foremost command"? Well, if you look it up in a Greek dictionary, it's first in time or place, any succession of things or persons. In other words, you get them in a row, and it's the very first one. First in rank, first in influence and honor, the chief or the principal. It's, it's the most important. Uh, and really, that's literally what it means. It's the most important commandment. So when this guy walks up, this scribe, and he's trying to trick Jesus, and he says, hey, rabbi, what's the foremost commandment? And he says, I'll tell you what the... Here's the most important commandment you can keep. Love the Lord your God. First of all, he's one God. Love and love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. That is the most important command. So, of everything we looked at, those twelve commands we've looked at, this, according to Jesus, is the most important thing you and I, as men, can hear. But again, what does that mean? Loving God is 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 the most important commandment. And I think if I took a poll right now and I had everybody raise their hand, who loves God? There's not a man in this room who wouldn't raise their hand, right? Well, I love God. How do you love God? What does that look like? Um, How do you show love to God? How how do you do it with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength? Jesus says it's the most important command. And, And really what he's saying, we are to love him, With all we have, everything in our being, every fiber in our being, I'm to love God. I love a lot of things. There's a lot of things in my life I love. But I don't know that I love God with every fiber of my being, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. But yet that's what we're called to do as disciples. We're to love Him for all He is. Well, that begs the question... What is all he is? I don't even know if that's proper grammar, but what does it mean to love him for all he is? Who who is God? What's God like? What what am I loving about God? I know there are characteristics in my my wife I love, things that she does, the way she looks that I was attracted to years ago. I can see it. I can. There's there's just characters that characteristics that I see in her that I love. But what about God? What is it about God you love? What is it about God that makes you want to love him? And that's really at the core of what this is talking about. So what does it mean to love God? First of all, to love God, you have to know him. Now, you may sit there and go, well, that's just, that's one of those dust statements. Well, sure, you got to know him. But the truth is, I don't know that we we understand that. What that means to know God. I really can't love Him till I know Him. And that's true of just about anything in life. You can't know something or love something till you know it. Now, let me give you some examples. I can say, I love hang gliding. Man, I love hang gliding. But you know what? I've never been hang gliding. So I don't have a clue. First of all, I would never do it. You know, I couldn't even do the zip line at the Father and Son retreat, because I can't stand heights. So I'm not about to hang glide, but I could sit up here and say, man, I love hang. I love everything about hang gliding, but I don't know anything about it. I've never experienced it. Okay? Until I do it, I can't say I really love it, because I think if I did it, one of two things is going to happen. I'm either going to hate it with every fiber of my being, because it scares the bejeebers out of me, or I'm going to get over my fear and realize that this is fun, and I'll do it again. But right now... I can't, I can't love it or hate it because I've never done it. How about this one? I can say I love Hawaii, but it means nothing if I've never been there. I've seen pictures. I get National Geographic. Man, it looks gorgeous. But until I've been there and experienced it and seen the sights and smelled the smells and heard the birds, and I really don't know anything about Hawaii other than I've seen in picture books. So... I can say I love it, but I really don't know anything about it. I can say I love quiche, but it means nothing if I don't eat it, which I will never do, because guess what? I hate quiche. I despise quiche. I hate everything about quiche. It's like a, a casserole gone amok. Um, my wife loves quiche, and I'm so glad that, you know, real men don't eat quiche. I've lived with that. Yeah, I'm a real man because I don't eat quiche. I hate quiche, and I can say I love it. But guess what? It means nothing if I've never eaten it, which I will never do. You, you've got you've got to experience it to be able to say that you love it. A couple more. I can say I love a certain girl, but it means nothing if I've never met her. Did you ever fall in love with somebody when you're in grade school? Some girl that you know you see across the the way. I, I, I remember I fell in love with my wife when I first saw her at the church we were both attending. And I saw her from a distance, and I went, that's the one. I was just, I was smitten. My brother worked at this church, and I and I said, Gary, I've got to meet this girl. I mean, I was in love. She was a, a senior in high school. I was in college, and I thought she's going to just, man, when she talks to me, she's just going to, you know, college guy. She's going to fall for me, just so he goes, yeah, I'll introduce you. We walk over, and he introduces me, and she goes, hi, how are you? And she walks off. And she just ignored me. She was not taken with me. I found out later she dated lots of college guys, so that I didn't have that as a, a real plus. Um, but you know what? I knew nothing about her. I knew nothing about her character. I knew nothing, other than the fact that she was gorgeous, That's all I knew. But I can say I love someone, but until I really get to know them, it means nothing. So I can say I love God, but it means nothing if I don't know him. It means nothing if I don't know him. If I don't know his character. Because guess what? You might find out God's pretty strict. God's pretty harsh. God punishes. God's wrathful. God's... All kinds of things. But until you get to know him, you'll never really love him. And I really think that's what he's trying to tell us in this. Because to love God is to know him for who he is. To know him for who he is. Do you know who God is? You know, Hans is going through a very, very, very difficult time right now. But I know when he comes out the other end of this, Friday, Saturday, a month from now, two months from now... He will know God better than he knows him right now. Why? Because he's going to experience God. He's going to have God's hand all over him. Thursday at the memorial service, God will be with him. God's going to minister to him. And he's going to feel God's presence. He's going to feel God's hand. And he's going to know him better next week than he knows him this week. Because he's going to experience him. We need to know Him for who He is. It's to know and understand His character. It's to, to, God has character. He, he, he's a hum, not a human being, but He's a being. He's real. He has emotions. He's got character. And so we need to understand what that character is. It's to appreciate His mercy. That's one of the things Hans is going to experience is the mercy of God in the midst of pain and suffering. That God is merciful. That's to know him. When you experience his mercy, suddenly you know him better than you ever knew him before. It's to honor his holiness. When you know God, you honor his holiness. And when you honor his holiness, guess what? It means you really know him. You know that he's a holy God. And so you watch what you say. You watch where you go. You watch your behavior. And it's to grow to know him. So his character, his mercy, his holiness, it's to respect his power. That God is a powerful God. He's not to be trifled with. He's not to be taken for granted. He's not to be treated like your personal butler, your servant, your genie. Hey, God, here's something I'd like to have. You know, That's not who God is. He is a powerful, awesome creator God. It's to acknowledge and obey his commands. To love Him is to know Him for who He is. That He is a God who gave commandments and He meant them when He said them. They're not the ten suggestions. They're commandments. And it's to acknowledge those are commands from a holy righteous God who's pretty powerful and He sounds like He's a serious God so maybe I should obey them. And that's when you really begin to show that you know who He is. It's to submit to His authority. It's to say God... You created the universe. You made me. You keep all this stuff going and in, in my body functioning, and you must know what you're doing. So therefore, I'm going to listen to you and obey your authority over mine. That's to know him. When you do just the opposite of these things, when you don't respect his holiness, honor his holiness, respect his power, you're basically saying, I don't have a clue who God is. He must not be any of these things because I'm going to live life my way and on my terms. It's also to love God is to love him for all that he is, for all that he is. He's the creator. He made it all. He created Gene Strayer's body, and yet Gene Strayer died from cancer. I don't have an answer for that, guys. Uh, I, I can't answer that question. Why did Gene Strayer die from cancer Uh, here's a woman who is a naturopathic doctor she took extremely good care of herself she was you know into holistic healing she took all kinds of herbs she was very careful about what she ate she was very careful about what went into her body and she died of cancer I can't explain that I don't understand that but he's the creator he's in control he's also the sustainer you know he, he kept gene alive Long enough for her family to be there with her when she passed away. And yeah, you may sit there and say, well, that's a consolation, great. But I'm telling you what, when you sit down with a family and you hear them talk about that they could all be there with her when she passed away, it meant the world to them. For Hans to be able to hold his wife's hand and express his love to her one last time before she passed away, he's the sustainer. He's the creator. He's a God of wisdom and righteousness. God knows what He's doing. He is all-wise. He is all-righteous. He never does anything unjustly. And as much as I may struggle with the death of a loved one like that, a tragedy that strikes somebody, God knows what He is doing. And I have to rest in that. I have to trust Him for that. And to love God is to love Him for all that He is. Not who I want Him to be, Not my little personal, you know, genie that does what I want him to do. It's for who he is, not who I want him to be. He's a God of wrath and compassion. You see these these opposites. God is a God of wrath. And many people today don't want to deal with that. But he's also a God of compassion. And unlike me, he knows when to use both. I get them screwed up. You know, I, I, can get, I can just explode at my kids and, and just show all kinds of wrath when what they need is compassion. You know, my, my kids may do something that just bugs the bejeebers out of me. And, and rather than go to them and say, hey, what's going on? What, what's, what's going on in your heart? Why are, you, why are you acting this way? No, what I do is, you know, shut up. Go to your room. Get out of my sight. I'm trying to work here. Wrath when they need compassion. But see, God knows exactly when to use both. It's knowing who He is. It's knowing that He is love. God is the essence of love. He is love encapsulated. He is. You want to know love? You know Him. And to know Him is to know love. To love God is to love him for all that he is. You know, we want to cherry pick with God. Everybody wants a loving God, don't they? Everybody wants a generous God. Everybody wants a helpful God. Everybody wants an encouraging God. And God is all those things. But guess what? He's also a God of judgment. He's also a God of holiness. He's also a God of wrath and righteousness. And I have to take the whole package... And love him for who he is. Is anybody in here married to the perfect woman? I mean, really the perfect woman? Come on, guys. I love my wife, but my wife is not perfect. My wife sometimes irritates me. Don't tell her that, but sometimes she irritates me. Sometimes my wife disappoints me. Sometimes my wife says things that hurt me. You know, And I do the same thing to her. And in spite of all of that, guess what? I love my wife more today than I loved her 30 years ago when I first met her, in spite of everything I know about her. You know, my wife has faults. I've got lots of faults, and my wife just keeps loving me. That's what this is all about. It's not that God has faults, but guess what? God has characteristics I don't particularly like. I don't like the fact that God punishes me sometimes. I don't like the fact that God disciplines me sometimes. But you know what? I love him for it, because without it, I'd be in really deep trouble. So to love God is to love Him for all that He is. It's to understand that He's a person and not a force. He's not, you know, the force. He's not some nebulous thing out there. He is a person, a being, an uncreated being who has always been. I can't explain that. But you know what? He is real. And it's to love Him for that. And also that He's my Father. And everything, that, I mean, He's the perfect perfect father so to love him is to love him for all that he is not just for what i want to love him so in essence here's what jesus commands us to love this kind of a god the righteous god the holy god the father god the creator god the sustainer god the wrathful god the loving god the compassionate god love this god everything that he is and love him with all that you are for all that he is You've had moments in your life, just like I have had mine, where I have gotten angry at God and shaken my fist at Him and said, what in the world are you doing? Why me? Why now? I guarantee Hans probably asked that question. When he called me, we were at the the retreat. He called me on Saturday to say that um, they had gotten the um, uh, report back and that Gene only had days to live. Uh, This was Saturday. And we prayed. The group of us there at the camp, we prayed with our sons for him. Sunday morning, he calls me, and she'd already passed away. Um, I'm sure he, at least for a moment, had a few harsh questions for God. Why? Why her? Why me? Why now? Why this way? Why? But to love God is to love Him with all that you are for all that He is. Understanding that God is God and God knows what He's doing and that God is in control. Well, here's what I want you to do in your discussion time, your first one. I want you to take some time around your table and discuss what you know about God. Don't don't give me the... the Sunday school definition. Well, the Bible says, what do you personally know about God? What have you learned about God in your life? And I want somebody to just, just make a list. As as each guy shares, just jot it down. You may say, I know that God, I can trust him because I've, I've trusted him in my life. He's proven himself trustworthy. I know that God loves me. I know whatever you know about God, somebody write it down. Then I want you to take some time discussing why these Things you know about God should make you love Him. So what what do you guys know about God? What do you know about God? Yell it out. Faithful. 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 Sovereign. Sovereign. Patient. What else? Jealous. Jealous. Loving. Huh? Creative. Creative. Yeah, He made most of us. Isn't that amazing? Huh? Funny. funny. Yeah, sense of humor, obviously. Consistent. S- Consistent. Consistent. Provider? Provider? Perfect, timing. Perfect timing. Now, my guess is that for most of us, we've probably heard that preached, we've heard it taught, but when do you really understand those things? It's when they happen, right? When you see it happen in your own life, when you see Him show consistency, when you see Him show mercy, when you see that God really does have a sense of humor. You know, I I see things happen in my life that sometimes just really just upset me, blow me away, and then given enough time and perspective, I look back and, and I learn to laugh and say, you know, I was so worried about that one thing. It was going to be the end of the world. It was all, you know, hell was going to break loose on earth, and then I look back and Lord, why did I worry so much about nothing? Why did I not trust you? Why? And so it's through experience that we learn these things, that we can trust him. You know, I I think what really Jesus is telling us through this command is that loving God is a full contact sport. Uh, It's going to take everything in your being to love God. Everything. That's why he tells us all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And he's quoting from Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Uh, but he, he adds a little bit to it. In Deuteronomy 6, 5, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. What's missing here? Okay. With, with all your mind. It's interesting that Jesus adds that in. It's not. It's not in the original in the in the the Hebrew in Deuteronomy. He adds a fourth element, and it, it's basically that this this kind of love that Jesus is talking about is comprehensive. It's all encompassing. It's it's not it's not a you know what's the old uh, Stevie Wonder uh, song a uh, part time lover, you know, God's not interested in part time lovers, you know. I love you on Sunday, but the rest of the week, I don't even think about you. This is this is comprehensive in its nature. We are to love him with all of our being. I know you may sit there and go, I don't even, I'm not even sure what that means. Well, hopefully by the time we're done, you'll have a little bit better idea of what that means. Because he's going to use four different terms. The first one is heart. And in the Greek, it's cardia. And obviously, you know where we get our English words for heart you get a electrocardiogram you go to the cardiologist it's this where we get this word but that's the word he uses it's the seat of the thoughts the passions the desires the appetites the affections the purposes the endeavors it, it, the heart is it's it's those feelings that we have it's to love him with all my feelings and i'm going to try to tie each one of these into an earthly arena just so we can understand uh, those, those of you in the room who have a wife, who are married you know I have feelings for my wife I have passions for my wife, I have thoughts I think about my wife um, I have desires for my wife it, it's, it comes from within, There, I, I can just be driving down the road and suddenly I can be thinking about my wife, I can be at a father and son retreat, and suddenly think about my wife, and I just think, I'm going to call her, just see how she's doing. That's what this is talking about. It's your heart. It's that those thoughts that you have, those feelings that you have. It's those passions. It says, love him with that kind of love, to where he just pops into your mind in the middle of the day, and you, you say, hey, Lord, man, I'm just thinking about you. Um, I, I want to be with you. I, I, I want to, I want to talk to you. I want to be around you. I love your company. That's what this is talking about. Love him with that kind of love. It's those thoughts or feelings that come from within. But he doesn't stop there. He says, love him with your soul. That's suke. It's, it's the breath of life. It's, it's what God breathed into Adam. It's, it's what gives us life. It's our, our life as a whole distinguished from the body. It's, it's that eternal part of us, the soul. And I think about that in terms of my wife. It's, it's my life, my very breath, that guess what? I would give my very last breath for my wife. I would give it up. You know what? I think Hans would have traded places with Jean for her to live. I think he would have said, put me on the table and let her live. That's what this means. It's to love God that much that you would lay your life down and say, I don't want to live. I'll die for you. Love him that much. I love my wife that much. I would die for my wife. I have feelings about my wife, but I also am willing to die. I'll give up my life. I I will love my wife with all my soul. I'm to love God the same way. Then he goes, your mind. Your mind. That's the the faculty of understanding. It's, it's the able to, our comprehension, our imagination, our thinking, how we think. I think about my wife a lot. I'm not going to tell you what I think about my wife, but that's between me and her. But you know what I'm thinking. You know what I'm saying. I think about my wife. I have... Imaginations about her. I have thinking about her. I have an understanding about her. I dwell on her. That's what this is about. It's it's a faculty of, of understanding that also is not just that emotional side. It's I have an understanding about my wife. I know what makes my wife tick. I know what ticks my wife off. I know what my wife loves. I know what my wife hates. I know what my wife likes me to do around the house. I know how she likes me to treat her. I understand. My wife, do you understand your God? Do you know what your God likes? Do you know what ticks him off? Do you know what makes him tick? Do you know what he wants you to do, what he doesn't want you to do? Do you understand and have a mind for God? That's what this means. Love him with your mind. Love him with your understanding. Then finally, with your strength, your ability, your power, your energy. It's that capacity to make vigorous effort both bodily and mentally. It's, it's your strength. It's your energy. Again, I will do anything for my wife. I will put. I will go the extra mile. I will work hard around the house. I will fix things that are broken. If she wants me to lift something for her, I will lift it. If I can't lift it, I will act like I can lift it. If she wants me to open a jar and I can't get it open, I'll wait till she leaves the room and then I'll bang it on the counter. I'll get it open and then I'll just walk in and pop it real quick. And she'll go, wow. It's strength. It's with every fiber of my being. It's all-encompassing. My mind, my soul, my heart, my strength, everything I have, I'm to love God with all of it. This kind of love is complete. It's complete. We are to do it with every ounce of our being. I'm to do it with all my love, all my soul. That word all is critical. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. It's all encompassing. It's all complete. I'm to do it with every one of those. See, what a lot of us do is we love we love God with our mind. Well, I know about God. I can tell you everything about God. I can quote all the doctrines of God. Um, I'm a five point Calvinist. I'm a four and a half point Calvinist. Whatever that is. I'm a I'm a this or that. And we we have this mind affair with God, but we don't have any emotion for god he wants it all guys he wants every fiber of your being it's not a partial love it's a complete love all your soul all your your mind all your strength all your heart he wants it all why cuz he's a jealous god you know my wife doesn't want just my mind she'd be kind of disappointed she doesn't just want my strength she'd be disappointed she, you know what? She doesn't just want my heart. She wants it all. If all I had were feelings for my wife, but I never expressed them, if I never showed them, if I never did anything around the house, she would come to the conclusion, you do not love me. And guess what? God does the same thing. I don't care how many praise songs you sing. I don't care how often you say, Lord, I love you, I love you. God, you're just such a great God. But then you live your life as if he doesn't exist you're not loving him with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength. This kind of love is a personal love. Do you notice the personal pronoun here, your, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength? This is about you loving God. This is between you and him. I love what John Piper says. When Jesus demands that we love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, he means that every faculty, every capacity of our being should express the fullness of our affection for God, the fullness of all the ways we treasure him. How, do you, how much do you really treasure God? How much do you really treasure him? And, and, and it will be directly proportional to how you show it through your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. How much energy do you exert for God? How much effort do you put in for God? Not reaching in and getting 10 bucks and putting it in the offering plate. How much energy and effort do you put into it? How much of your soul, your very life, would you lay on the line for God? How many risks do you take for God? And I'm saying this to me at the same time. This is not about my comfort. This is about He means everything to me, and as much as I would do for my wife, I would do even more for Him. It's laying it all on the line. To love God is to treasure Him above all things. Above all things. You have to go back and look at the first part of this command. You know, we, we briefly looked at it, but it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He's one Lord. And if you go back and look at Deuteronomy 6 4, it says it this way Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is our God, the Lord is one. He's one. There's not multiple gods. I don't get to have, I don't even get to have variations of the same God. Well, you know, today I feel like I just want the passionate, compassionate God. You know, I just need some love. Give me a little love, God, today. That's all I want. No, I don't get to choose. He's one God, and he's he's a God of multiple characteristics, and I have to love him as he is, but I can't also make my own God's. I can't come up with my own gods. Deuteronomy five seven says, "You shall have no other gods before me." Why did God say that? There isn't any other gods, are there? There's only one, but why did He say this? Because He knew that mankind would always make other gods. We'll make a god out of anything. You know, I caught myself last night. I was working in my office at home, and I'm, I'm working on the lesson, finishing it up, and and I'm running between my office where? Where do you think the other place I wanted to be last night? TV. TV. And it was an American Idol. I'd run in there and I'd turn on that TV. And, and in my mind I'm going, don't do it. Don't do it. Please don't turn it on. You're just going to get so frustrated. You're, gonna, you're just going to, your blood pressure is going to go up. Don't do it. So I'd run in there turn it on. I just want to see the score. They're ahead. Oh, great. And I'd run back to my office. i work a little bit more. And I'd go, i go, gotta, I've got to check the score. So I'd run back at they're behind. Oh God. I go back to my office and I'm so angry. and I get so upset. What does what, what that reveal? That's a God. That has controlled me. And you know, it finally hit me that if they lose, I would have been so chapped this morning. I mean, I literally would. I would have been so chapped over a stupid basketball game. It's my God. And there's nothing wrong with basketball. I love basketball, but... When it, when it controls my emotions to that degree, it's become a God. Because it's, it's lifting me up and it's bringing me down. It's controlling my moods. If they win, I'm a happy camper. You shall have no other gods before me. Verse 9 of that same chapter. You shall not worship them, serve them, for I, the Lord, I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. Isn't that interesting? I've never noticed that before, who hate me. When you have other gods, you're basically telling God, I hate you. When you'd rather spend time doing something else than spend time with him, you're saying, I hate you. I look at that and I go, that's kind of harsh. No, that's what he sees it as. It's as if you hate me. For some reason on my PowerPoint, I left off a slide, but... uh, do not treasure anything in place of God. That should be point A on your sheet. Do not treasure anything in place of God. When something else has your heart, when something else has my heart, it's become my treasure. When anything has my heart, it's become my treasure. Luke twelve thirty four. we looked at this as one of our commands. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Whatever I treasure, whatever has my heart... That's going to captivate me, and it's it's going to become my God. It becomes my God. I treasure that. It may be a bank account. It may be a a house. It may be a car. It could be a person. It has become my God because it's become my focus. It's what I think about. It's what I dwell on. It's now my focus, and it's become my source of satisfaction. If it goes away... Sometimes that's the best revealer that it's, it's been your God. Your house burns down and you go, you spiral into you know depression. You know, it's your God. Um, it because it was your source of satisfaction. It brought you joy. It brought you pleasure. Now it's gone. It was a God. You know, this is not to say we can't enjoy other things, but we need to ex- enjoy them as an expression of our treasuring of God. What do I mean by that? I may love my wife. I'm commanded to love my wife, but do it as a gift from God. Don't love my wife for what I get out of it. Because you know what? My wife could be stricken with a debilitating, debilitating disease, and she may never be able to give me the love and the affection I now get and enjoy. What if that were to happen? What if suddenly my wife was incapacitated physically and no longer could give me sex? Would I stop loving her? Hope not. I may love my wife, but love her as a gift from God. I may value my possessions, but do so as signs of God's trust of my stewardship. Why has God given me this stuff? Is it because I'm a great guy? No, maybe he's given it to me so that I can share it with others. And enjoy it with my family and with my friends. If you have a wonderful home, thank God for it, but maybe think that why is he giving me this house? Is it just selfishly for me to live in and enjoy? Or maybe it's to be hospitable to others. I may enjoy my health, but do so as a reminder of God's grace. Because my days are numbered, and I don't know what that number is. And so take every day with a gra- uh, an ounce of grace. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for this breath. Thank you that I can do this and that and the other. Enjoy your health. Enjoy your life. I may use my mind to succeed at work, at an endeavor, at a career, but remember who created it. It wasn't you. I don't care how many degrees you have. It was God. I may find pleasure in someone or something but as long as it leads to our delight in God, if you enjoy somebody's company, if you enjoy being around your wife, if you have something that brings you pleasure, thank God for it because He makes it possible. Jesus demands that your love and my love be exclusive. And if you look at the Psalms, you see this over and over again. Psalm 73, 25 whom have I in heaven but you, and besides you I desire nothing on earth? Could you say this with a straight face to God? Who besides you, besides you, Lord, I desire nothing on earth, except maybe, maybe if the Mavericks won. I kind of desire that. You know, a championship would really be nice. You know, just one, and then, you know, I'm off, I'm off the Mavericks. Now, whom have I in heaven but you, Beside you I desire nothing on earth. Psalm 16.2 I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good beside you. Whew. I have no good beside you. Well, Jesus demands that this love be practical. It's not ethereal. It's not some kind of nebulous, you know, can't get your hands around it. I love God. I'm not really sure what that means. It's highly practical. It's not a matter of words. It's actions. My wife... Loves for me to say I love you, but you know what she loves more? Prove it. Show it. Every Wednesday morning, and this is not a pat on my back, but every Wednesday morning I leave a note for my wife by the coffee pot when I leave to come up here. And it's one of the you know the most mindless things I think I do. I just write, I love you, praying for you, I hope you have a great morning, see you this afternoon, and it means the world to her. She loves the actions, not just the words. So does God. First John four. If someone says, "I love God and hates his brother," he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen can't love God, whom he has not seen. In this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should also love his brother. Love God. Be practical. You want to show God you love him? Love the guy you can't stand. Love your brother. Put your arms around a Han Strayer who's going through a tough time. Be sensitive to those guys around your table. Love somebody else, and it's the greatest form of showing love to God. Highly practical. It's the greatest expression of our love for God to love others, to love others. One of the greatest ways I can show my wife I love her is to love her kids, to love our kids. When I take my son on a camping thing like the father and son weekend, my wife just loves that. So when you love others, it's an expression of your love for God. Galatians 6.14, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. Well, to be a disciple is to be a lover of God, guys. We'll close with this. You will not take up your cross unless you love him more than comfort. You won't do it. You will not do it. If you love comfort more than God... You'll never, you'll never take up a cross because it's not comfortable. You will not deny yourself unless you love him more than your own pleasure. You just won't do it. If pleasure is what drives you and motivates you, you're never going to deny yourself. It's always going to be about what you want on your terms, in your way. You will not die to self unless you love him more than your own will. See, all of these are phrases tied to discipleship, which was what we've been talking about for half a year discipleship, being a follower of Jesus Christ. You will not come out of the world and walk the narrow way unless you love Him more than all the world has to offer. You will not do it. You will not be a committed follower, disciple of Jesus Christ, as long as you are in a love affair with the world. You will not live for God until you love Him more than life. Because you know what, if, if this is all there is, and I love this life, and man, all it has to offer, I will not truly live for him as long as I think this is what gives me all there is. Because I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose this. You know, one of the neatest things, uh, the other night when I was meeting with Hans and his family, and we were talking about the memorial service tomorrow, I, I told him, I said, I want to close this thing with the gospel. I want to share the gospel because Jean believed in the gospel and Jean believed, Jean Jean knew where she was going. Jean knew what was next for her. And Hans began to cry and he says, Look over there. And he points to the wall by the kitchen. And there's a marker, wipe off marker board. And it's the last thing she wrote as she was being taken to the hospital. And Jean knew she wasn't coming home because she had already seen the x rays. But they didn't know it. The rest of the family didn't know. And on the marker board it says, um, "Buy for now. And now was capitalized. Love Jean. And Hans said, She knew she wasn't coming home, but she knew she'd see us again. That's what it's all about. Loving God more than you love life. Knowing that there's something else out there. Let me close this in prayer. Father, I thank you for this morning with these guys. I thank you for the weeks that we've had together talking about discipleship, talking about the commands of Christ. Father, may we truly be men who are committed to walking the narrow way, men who are committed to loving you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, that we would lay it all on the line for you. Father, that you are everything we need, And you are all that's important in our life. And that everything else around us, Father, isn't going to last. It's not going to be here for eternity. Only you are going to be here for eternity. And those men with whom we sit right now. Father, it's all about you and it's all about us. It's all about loving one another. It's all about encouraging one another. It's all about striving to walk the narrow way together. So, Father, may you mold and make us into the men that you want us to be so that we might make a difference in this world as long as, it, as we're here. Father, we give you this week, we give you the, the day, we pray for tomorrow for the memorial service that you would be there in might and in power and that anybody who walks in that door who is not a believer in Jesus Christ would walk out changed. And knowing where they're going to spend eternity. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey guys, next week we're going to, to do a four week series on the